Welcome back to another episode of Life in the Urban City podcast. I'm your host, Paul Hudak, joined as always by our executive director, Eric Vasquez. Eric, how are you doing today? We're doing well. What's up, everybody? And we have a special guest today. Her name is Dana Garrett. Dana, can you introduce yourself, who you are, what you do with the organization, and we'll just go from there. Yeah, thanks, Paul. Thanks for having me. Um, I'm Dana Garrett, and I work with Justice for Youth. I am the training and curriculum specialist, so I do a lot of our training in-house and then training with other orgs that work with our At Promise Youth community, as well as I work on curriculum for different programs that we have. Yeah, and everything Dana creates is just amazing. It's so clean, it's so beautiful, and it just it just works perfectly when we're mentoring and working with the kids on campus. And a lot of outside partners say, like, wow, this is really good. So, you know, we always like to boost Dana's ego by, by saying those things. Um, but something, a big reason why I really wanted Dana here today is that for the most of the time when we talk and we work, we're always talking about the kids. And we're, we're talking about the issues going on with the kids that we serve, the youth that we serve, um, our, our jobs as mentors within the community. But something I really want to tackle today is just our parents. I know... Dana does a lot of work with our parents and does some training for parents. Um, but I just want to kind of dive deep and hear from both of you. Both of you are parents. Um, um, you both live within the city. Um, and just share, you know, one, how is it being a parent within the urban city? And then um, what are some issues or, you know, things facing being a parent within the urban city? So, Dana, if you want to kind of start us off and just kind of answer that. Yeah. Um, so... I, I still consider myself a new parent. My oldest is about two and a half years old. And um, being a parent here in the urban city, I, I grew up here in Pomona. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the things that I have to look out for as far as, um, you know, my, my children, it's, it's what my parents did for me. So it's a, it's a, a, I find a lot of it is me <laughs> mirroring, mirroring my parents' style and um, doing those things for my kids. But at some point now, I'm starting to challenge some of those things and think, you know, may, hey, maybe they didn't have it all figured out. I, I was blessed with really, really great parents, and um, they did the best, absolute best that they did to their abilities. And my goal now is to take it a step further, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, being here in, in Pomona, in the community, I know that the city is so um, rich culturally that I love taking my kids out to just experience that yeah. firsthand. The, you know, um, I don't want them to be afraid of the streets or anything like that. So to experience the, you know, the street art, um, different kinds of art going on, the food, the different cultures, and, and I really want them to get a sense of that. Okay, awesome. Thank you. Eric? Yeah, so what is it like being a parent? It's hard, fun. Um, it's hard because my eldest is 13, and you know I was a young parent, and it was not easy early on. And I was trying to figure out what it was like to be a dad. So I think with my first child, you know, I struggled. And now that she's 13, I can see the fracture and, and how that has uh, kind of shown its, reared its ugly little face. But I'm definitely a present father and I'm, you know, 
engaged completely and I'm working at it and trying to rebuild and um, it's not like ridiculously fractured it's just emotionally I didn't know how to give to her you know and Dana kind of alluded to it but I think already jumping into probably some of our next questions is many of our parents if they grew up in broken contexts which often you know our, our inner city families um, sometimes there could be a layer of dysfunction not always but most of our at promise community there's something there in the family system that maybe was not perfect yeah. and it's hard not to become what you've like had to endure or go through you know mm -hmm. and I and for me as a dad like my dad never told me I love you son or never affirm me or never asked me how was your day or you are you talking to girls or like Tell me about that. Ne never. We never had those talks. So that was painful for me. And now I'm having to like heal and emerge out of that pain and become someone that I never experienced. So that's hard. And I see a lot of our parents struggle um, probably way more significantly than I have because I had a pretty like there was a point in my life where things changed for me and there was a reconciliation and my parents healed and got better that that was good but um yeah man it's not it's not been easy i have three kids so 13 i have a nine-year-old and uh who's about to be 10 and then i have a seven-year-old so it's it's a full home it's busy 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 i feel like an uber driver sometimes but yeah well, it's fun something i want to kind of like bring up me dana you hinted at it eric you kind of hinted at it it's like as we're growing up we we kids are observant right you were a kid once, you were observed, and you mentioned like you were mirroring your parents. But isn't that what most parents do? Don't they just mostly mirror their surroundings, mirror what they've received as well? And to follow that up is like, how do we fix the brokenness within the mirroring, right? If you come from a broken home, you come from, you know, not the best conversations with the parent, you know, never hearing I love you, or in your home it's always yelling and screaming. And then when you move into your home and with your kids, how how do you try to fix that dysfunction? Go ahead, Dana. Yeah, with with me, um, I know I've noticed that I've had to put in a lot of work. Um, it's the easy part is to fall in line with what I'm familiar with, what I grew up in, um, what I'm used to, but it has taken work and and being very intentional to not fall into, you know, um, those kinds of traps. I, I'm trying to, you know, they say break those generational curses. So I, I believe that there's generational gifts that absolutely I'm doing those same things that my parents built into me and I'm passing on those generational gifts and I have to be really intentional about not passing on those generational curses, right? Mm -hmm. So first off was like identifying what those were um, and trying to identify, you know, um, trying, to, trying to identify where I could do better, trying to remember putting myself back in that place of being a child and remembering what these things felt like. Because right now I'm feeling all of the... Uh, you know the adult things. I'm the feeling all the parents felt, right? yeah, the the emotion, the adult emotions. I'm feeling the adult pressure. I've got work. I got to you know grocery shop, cook dinner, and then you know my kids are young, so my daughter asked me to play dolls at the end of the day, and I've just done all this stuff, and it's like, 
<laughs> I'm not one to play dolls in the first place, but <laughs> it's like, ugh, I, you know, at this point I have to be more sensitive to putting myself back in the shoes and, and looking through the eyes of what I was like as a child and how I would have experienced it and, and just remembering that as an adult now I recognize everything that my parents did for me you know um anytime that they worked late hours or anytime that you know uh mom used to hook it up in the kitchen and put great food on the table and and clean the house and all this other stuff as a kid you don't see any of that yeah right and and as a as a child you only see those moments where it's uh, you know especially at that young can you play with me and it's like oh, I'm exhausted but you know what this is this is that moment that's going to help build the, build our relationship as we go on in the future this is just as important as you know everything else so that that kind of helps ground me is when in those situations just looking from that other perspective and stepping outside of um my <laughs> my adult world a yeah. little bit more mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and in the context of like I, I serve a lot of parents and actually right now my my role shifting more towards supporting parents because of my first wave of youth are now parents mm. you know they're mm. they're in their 30s or i mean they're about to be 30 they're in their late 20s whatever it may be right um so and i work with a lot of the parents in the community so i see like identifying it is good that's the first step and then the core of who we are is what we always try to do to support parents is and ourselves is find a mentor there's an advising and there's a training that has to take place to heal out of some of the dysfunction from our past, from our childhood. And then I think be com being committed as a parent to do the work that Dana's talking about. Uh, I'll give you an example. There's a handful of parents that I work with right now that they're wanting to raise their life out of poverty, but they don't read or write in English or Spanish, and they're primarily Spanish-speaking. So to do that, to raise out, they're going to have to educate themselves. That, there's not always one pathway, but it would help, right? If they, so what we're doing now is I brought in a volunteer to teach them English and, and to how to write English. I brought a volunteer to help them write Spanish and, you know, read Spanish, and that's their native language. So that's work that I could tell they were hesitant, but they're going to the classes every Saturday, you know? And I lead a group. I, I lead a circle every Saturday with like six senoras, you know, and I'm helping them heal, I'm mentoring them, we're bringing in other mentors who are older, a generation older. I think that's important, um, finding somebody to advise you and then to train you. I literally had a mentor teach me how to affectionately love my infants when they were young, because I just felt so awkward, kissing, holding, cuddling, it just yeah. was not in me, you know? Yeah. And I, a guy literally had to get on the floor, floor, get my baby, show me, this is what you do, Eric. And I was like, all right, let me try that, you know? And it, it, it helped. Seriously, I had to see it, feel it. Because it's that crazy. It's that deep. That brokenness is like, man. And then when you hear our stories of our families, you bring in the cultural components. Some of them are, you know, um, illegal uh, immigrant or illegal aliens, forgive me, that's what they, the, the proper term, but they, they've immigrated here, they don't have their status. Um, they're always in fear of not being able to stay with their families. They're single parents, right? So they're like, um, 
constantly working so they're out of the pad and they don't have a lot of those moments and then they they from an adult mindset want their children to love and appreciate these things but it from a child's mindset especially a child who's endured trauma it's so hard to compute or put together what's really happening because you so desperately need them emotionally socially and it's not there yeah so we see it be a detriment to our, our youth and our community. And it's not on purpose. And when you look at this with empathy and compassion, it's the plight of our community. It's the plight of our parents. But we're committed as an organization to do whatever it takes to get next to them, to get shoulder to shoulder, to get our sleeves rolled up and hop in and, and teach, advise, train, and then to bring resources their way and help them gain access to things that are gonna change the narrative for them. Like literally the other day, I hosted a, a family of nine people to my home. This was uh, last Tuesday and we cooked a meal for them and then we talked, but in the end of it, it turned into a session, you know? <laughs> so we had all the kids here and then the mother here and man, it was so emotional. The mother was just breaking down. I was trying to help both sides understand each other and, Oh, it just broke me and, and Patty's heart, dude. Yeah. It was tough. Yeah, uh, I mean, you both kind of mentioned this, and I was really curious, like, how do you, how do we identify the curses within our family lineage, our, our, ourselves, that, you know, is unhealthy? Is it just taking, are, are we telling parents to go home and journal? You know, it was like, hey, this is how my day went, this is how I feel? Um, or, or is this, like, going to see therapy, mentors, um, you know, just reflecting upon your past? What, what what did you do and what, what are things that you think would be helpful for parents who maybe like you or different, right? You know, some things work for you, Dana, that might not work for Eric and vice versa, but those that's the same stuff for our parents out there. So I think, yeah, go for yeah. it. Well, I'll just be short and sweet is they have to be like, there's an institutional oppression and a systemic oppression of our people that sometimes creates these things. Mm -hmm. So helping them understand like that high view of things that impact them that are out of their control. But when they're attuned to it, when they're, they're tuned into it, they become aware. And then you move down to the personal level. And I think it's through restorative conversations. It's through um, conferencing with children and, and parent and then bringing other parents so they listen and hear and can further identify where some of those gaps are in them. I think, you know, you can have a multifaceted strategy to helping the light bulb turn on in a parent. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and, and for me personally, um, I, I was, you know, I'm blessed to have the opportunity to go and get therapy myself. Mm -hmm. And a lot of it was uncovered that way with, with that help of talking to someone and um, trying to, uh, a lot of the um, things that I struggle with do stem back to some of those childhood things and how I was raised and kind of uncover generational curses that way. But another another thing that helps me is making sure I underst always understand the why behind what I'm doing when it comes to something with my children. Everything has to be really intentional. I don't want to fall in step and just, oh, I'm, I'm just doing it because this is what everybody does or this is what my parents <clears throat> have done. This is what the culture does. Um, I have to look at why and 
think about how this is going to impact them as little ones and how this is going to impact them in the future as far as, you know, them being successful in their schooling, relationships, careers, all of that yeah, as well. That's good. And you kind of mentioned therapy. How, how do you have the conversation with parents? Because a lot of times in a minority household, when you mention a therapist or yeah. therapy, it's a very native connotation. You're like, no, there's, there's nothing wrong with you. Like, or like, oh, you go to therapy because you're weak or like, how, like based off of your experience, like what is the value of therapy? What do they do? And how do you have that conversation with parents so that they don't see this negative connotation that culturally we bring upon it as well? It's hard, especially yeah. in our community. There's a mental health stigma. And what I've learned works is bringing in other community-based partners to help us have those conversations, remove those stigmas, and tap into those opportunities and experience, you know, our my culture, the Latino culture, the Latinx culture, there's such a strong stigma that it's so hard to get them even in those spaces, parents. But once they do and they get a taste of it, they begin to see the value of it, right? So it's a little bit of that front work to earn the trust of the community, earn the trust of the parents, and then slowly inch them into these opportunities. Yeah. Is the same thing for you, Dana? Yeah, yeah, and, I, and I'll always talk about um, me. Of course, there's stigmas definitely in the culture, like you're saying, and, and you know, um, there's that pushback. Oh, there's, like you said, there's nothing wrong with you, or even, you know, take it to God, and, and absolutely, I'm not, you know, we want to do, do those things as well, um, but... You know, therapy doesn't mean that there's something um, inherently wrong with you. Mm -hmm. It's a way to seek out help. Yeah. And, you know, um, uh, I think one of the stigmas, especially, you know, within uh, the black community, the black culture, is asking for help does not mean you're weak. It's a sign of strength. Especially if you're in, in really dark places, if you're, if you're like rock bottom, it's hard sometimes to reach out for help. It, help. it takes a lot, a lot of strength. And, um, and then like you, like you were saying, Eric, like once, once they get started, once you, know, you get started, you see the value of it, you feel a little bit of the change happening, um, most people will continue on with it, right? It's just getting their foot in the door. That's, that's the yeah. tricky part. Yeah, no, that's good, because I think the more you reflect on yourself and why you feel this way, right? For me, I'm, I'm the middle child, so there's all that stigmatization and the trauma that I have, where it's like I never felt, you know, that love. And so me and my fiance, when we're talking with kids, it's like, about kids, that's something I really want to focus on, is that to make sure, like, how do you show each and every one is being loved, and that they are loved differently, because... There is, you know, based on the order of being born, there's different things that happen. You know, if you're the only daughter or the only son, there's different things that pop up. And I think what you said was very important. It's just be intentional with each and every one and show that you love and care for them individually and want to support them. Um, something you, you did kind of mention and I wanted to hit was like, how do we as parents not hold it over a child of what they don't see? Right? You are working, you are providing, you're cooking, you're cleaning, you do all this stuff, and then all of a sudden your daughter's like, hey, help, let's play with dolls, mom. Yeah. And then you, at times parents get frustrated. It's like, no, I've been working all day. It's like, but they don't see. How do we not hold that over? And how should we show kids uh, we don't do it on purpose, right? What we do, all the, the 
negative things we bring on their life, mm-hmm. we don't do it on purpose. We're trying our best to love on them, right? Like, if a parent is working an extra job so that they can have enough food on the table, how do we show those children that we're doing it to provide for them and not on purpose that we don't want to be there in their life? Well, I can lead off on this one. What has helped me, like, trust me, I'm not. I, I definitely was, uh, I suffered through poverty for, let me see, from, I'm going to say for a solid 10 years of my young adult life, really chasing my dream, you know, to build this this organization. And then finally we got to our feet and stable. But what I was going to say is oftentimes I'd have to be working like two, three jobs just to support my family. And what has helped me because I had been absent from the home, making sure we had the basics, was pre-conversations, post-conversations, mm-hmm. and midway connections, right? So I'm talking to my kids saying, hey, this week's going to be a busy week for me. Um, I want you to know that I love you, and if I could choose to be her, I would. This is what daddy has to do. And then, you know, that, that gets the conversation going. A midway touch point, you're calling, you're checking in, you're FaceTiming now because of you know, uh, technology, but we didn't have that back then, but you know, you're making those efforts to stay connected midway. And then it's that post when you do finally get that breather and that break that you're, you're saving and reserving a pocket of energy Mm -hmm. for that time to be present and then have the conversations. I've said to my kids, like, man, I've missed you guys. I'm so sorry. I've been working so much. Um, but daddy's doing it because he wants to provide this and this and this but I'm here with you guys now. What do you want to do? You know, like, mm-hmm. so those are important. That's good. Anything else you want to add, Dana? Uh, yeah. One thing I, I want to add is like, I, I did mention it and I said, you know, um, I tried to put that, the adult feelings aside and look at things from her point of view <clears> and, <throat> and, you know, be ready to play dolls when I don't want to play dolls. But I also want to add that, you know, I'm human too. And even though I'm, I'm trying at all these things, I'm making mistakes along the way too. So there are times where it is like, no, I, you know, we can't do it right now. I'm so tired. Just, you know, and, and she doesn't understand. One, one thing that I think it's important to know for parents is that, um, we're, we're not going to be perfect people. We can just keep trying, Mm -hmm. but um, one thing that I try to do is communicate when I do mess up in those sort of ways is that apology to them. And, you know, uh, you know, they don't understand a lot of words, but still this is my time to kind of practice it, uh, practice how to craft that apology to them. You know, um, I'm sorry for the way that I reacted. Uh, you know, mom was feeling this and this and that. Um, you know, I'm going to try to do better. This is how I'm going to try to do better. And I, I say to my babies, like, will you forgive me? And they look at me like, we don't know what you're saying, <laughs> right? But this, this is practice for the future because, uh, you know, as, as I'm going to make mistakes, I definitely want to be, be mm-hmm. able to apologize and, and give some explanation, right? Yeah, well, that's good. And I, I, I kind of want to wrap this up. I know we could be talking about this for a very long time, but we have a, a luncheon to get to. Um, and so w- what would be some resources for parents? Like, what are some books that kind of helped it? I know... Um, we kind of hinted at some things. I didn't know, like, there's this thing called the five love languages. Would that be helpful, knowing your kid's love language? And You know, is it buying them a bunch of gifts, or is it being present with them? What, what would be some of the resources that you would recommend? 
Well, I mean, there's books galore. You can do yeah. a simple Google search. And I, I have too many favorites to name, but what I would say is resources locally, Foothill Family, Tri-City Mental Health. You have Justice for Youth in our TREE program. You have other CBOs that provide parent support. Um, there's within our city context, the city itself has some connection points for parents. So there's all kinds of things for them to get involved. And to um, also, I would say what's important is getting involved with your school, your kids' schools. That's huge. Um, so I would say all of those connection points are resources because schools have major resources that they can provide the family. So, so, so look within the, the community because not everyone who listens is from Pomona. So like within the community resources, the city, the school sites, yep. the other organizations, mental health facilities. Yeah, um, we're... With Justice for Youth, we're going to have a big uh, relaunch for our TREE program, which mm -hmm. is training, resourcing, educating, and empowering parents in 2022. Um, and we're also going to be launching our online parent community mm -hmm. as well. So that's going to be a resource where we're going to be giving out uh, great tips every week. We're going to be um, having discussions, you know, a safe space for parents to have discussions and realize they're not alone in these struggles that we're going through Yeah, as well. well that's good. And then something else Dana's working on that's not a lot of people know about is that she's working on a curriculum for incarcerated parents. So those parents who are on their way to come out and be reunited with their family, there's a lot of absenteeism that has mm -hmm. occurred and uh, we're, we're trying to set up a course and take it into some of the jails and prisons to be working with the parents who are about to be released so that they could come back and be supportive and working within the family. Um, and yeah, just reach out to us. As, yeah, we have our tree program. We're, we're trying to set up mentor matching for parents. So, you know, get other um, parents to, to mentor you. I know we are a youth focused organization, but you know, we can't have youth without their parents. Um, they're a big part of their life without them. They wouldn't have been born. So we, we just thank you so much for listening, checking in this month and, We'll see you guys next month. Thank you and have a great time. Later. Bye. Bye.